There you go. We'll pray afterwards. Oh, yeah, we'll pray afterwards. <laughs> All right, we're off to a great start this morning <laughs> so far. I appreciate you guys coming. I'm just going to move the podium over here a little bit. Um, yeah, I just have to start off with a disclaimer. I know some of you might have come here under the pretense that I will be singing a solo of some kind today. But, um, you know, Kyle sent me the contract, and we just couldn't come to an agreement on a number. Um, so, unfortunately, I will not be singing a solo this morning for you. So, if you need to leave right now, you want to get up and leave, that's completely fine with me. So, um, but no, I'm really glad that you guys are here. The Grace Marriage was so awesome yesterday. I'm really excited to be continuing that through the rest of the year. Um, so... Um, we have an announcement. Yeah, you guys want to say the announcement? <laughs> let's do it. There we go. Right on time. Okay. This is Darren Ruddy. Darren is the executive. And we're back. All right. If you're just joining the podcast, I made a really funny joke just now, so we're going to restart it. Um, but we're doing this new series, Holy Roar, um, and I'm really excited about this. This is something uh, I just feel like it's uh, it's such a good, a good re- reminder for us all to... To think about these things because we're constantly worshiping, you know, every week we come and we worship here together, and so uh, it's great to see what the Bible says about how we worship and how we praise. These are the upcoming lessons that we're going to be talking about, so David's going to be talking about the expectation of praise next week, and then followed by Brecian, the posture of praise, Kyle's going to talk about songs, and then we'll close out with Clint and Brecian on uh, a holy roar to kind of close things out. So, it's based on this book series, this book and DVD um, by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead. Darren's the pastor, I think, of the Church of the City. I think it's called Church of the City in Nashville. And Chris Tomlin, you know, is a very famous singer-songwriter in Christian circles. So we'll be watching the video for um, this lesson here in just a second. If you're looking for it on Amazon or if you want to purchase this or check it out somewhere, this is what it looks like. So we'll start off with just like a video clip before we look at the, the lesson series. This is a video clip back in 2016. The Chicago Cubs were in the World Series. They hadn't won the World Series in over 100 years. And so we're going to watch a video clip in Chicago of uh, the scene right outside of Wrigley Field when the Cubs actually win the World Series and it's going to be referenced in the video that we we see. So let's get started. All right. So the two words that we'll be kind of going into more depth of this morning is Halal and Shabbat, as we read, as we watched in the video, and two words that we see used throughout the Bible, halal being used most commonly to describe this um, anthem of praise. And so, just to start off and uh, expand on a couple of points that Darren made in the video, halal is the Hebrew word that means uninhibited worship. So it means to shine or flash brightly. Uh, to boast, to praise, to act like a fool or madman, which is something we don't really think about when we're praising God is acting like a fool or a madman. But it's used over 150 times in the Old Testament. 
And it's part of the larger word, as he mentioned in the video, uh, hallelujah, which is a combination of the words halal and Yahweh, meaning praise the Lord. So what can we take from the word halal? And here's a few examples of how it's used in Scripture in Psalm 149, verse 3. Does someone want to read that for me? Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Someone want to read Jeremiah? Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let, the, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in, this, in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So we read about one of the aspects of halal is this idea of boasting. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but we don't typically think about boasting as being a good thing, right? I teach my kids not to boast about things. That's the kind of the thing. But in this scripture, it says if you're going to boast about something, boast in God, boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22, uh, David says to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as the prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate, or halal, before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. It's kind of an interesting phrase that he uses there. So what can we learn from this word halal? Well, I think there's a few points to be made. One is God is unworthy God is worthy, excuse me, of our exuberant praise. So throughout the Bible, we are repeatedly commanded to praise the Lord, right? But when we see the word halal, this is exuberant praise, okay? So it's not something that's subdued or quiet or dignified. It's like drawing attention to God because uh, you're, you're worshiping so enthusiastically and uh, so uh, with, with, with no... Uh, inhibition, like light in the darkness. So I was thinking about you know examples of this. I know I probably use Lord of the Rings reference in every time I speak, but I, I was thinking about in uh, the first movie, and forgive me if I butcher this, Kyle, you can probably <laughs> tell me more about the details of this, but they're in a cave. They're in a cave where the dwarves live, and the Fellowship of the Ring, there's five or six good guys, and they're in this very dark place. And all of the bad guys, these orcs, goblin-type creatures, are surrounding them. And the only thing that's keeping these orcs or these dark creatures away from the good guys is the, one of the main characters, Gandalf, has a, has a staff that's emitting a light. And that's the only thing keeping them back or keeping the bad guys at bay. And so I kind of think about that as like halal is a light in the darkness that your eye is drawn toward. So God is worthy of our exuberant praise. He's also worthy of our boasting. So like I said earlier, you know, we don't typically think about boasting or bragging as being a good thing. But the fact of the matter is, if we're going to boast about something, why shouldn't we boast about our God, uh, or us being proud of our God, or what He's done for us? You know, I was thinking about uh, back at Christmas time, we were with my family 
And I was thinking about a time that my youngest daughter, Ruby, was boasting. She was very proud of herself. She uh, was running around the house. The kids are playing. Uh, we were at my parents' house. Um, my brother and sister-in-law were there. Our whole family was there. And the kids were kind of playing in the upstairs. We were downstairs. And my brother came and told me this story that had just happened. But Ruby is three. She's potty training right now. And uh, apparently she came to the top of the stairs. My brother was at the bottom of the stairs. And Ruby was wearing a shirt, but nothing else below the shirt. She was not wearing any underwear, no pull-up. She was just running around with nothing on the bottom. And my brother, he said he looked up and he said, Ruby, where, what are you doing? Where are your pants? And she just looked down at him from the top of the stairs and she said, I just went pee-pee in the potty, <laughs> just like this. <laughs> she kicked her leg up. She was very proud of herself for what she had done. And uh, she was not afraid to boast about what she had done. So, you know, there are certain times where we boast about things. And one of the things that we can boast about is, is the fact that we have such an amazing God uh, to boast about. So we should be proud about what he's done for us. And of course, there's, there's caveats to that. You know, we don't want to... Uh, you know, scare people away from coming to Christ because, you know, we're, we're um, um, haughty or we're um, arrogant about what we believe. But I think there is uh, a kind of a balance there that we can be proud of our heritage and, and be proud of the God that we serve. So the third thing I think we can learn from Halal is that God is worthy of stepping out of our comfort zone. And this one's probably the most challenging to me. I think one of the greatest dangers that we have in praising God is worrying about what other people think. So, you know, you think about, <clears throat> think back to a time where you've been to a church other than your home congregation, or maybe you've been to a mission trip, or you went to a worship service, even at, you know, this church, where the people around you was maybe worshiping, or the people around you were worshiping more enthusiastically or more emotionally than you are. And um, I can tell you personally, there's been times where I see someone worshiping, uh, just you can tell they're so into the service, they're so in tune to the words that are being sung that it makes me jealous, you know, to see that. And I want to experience that level of connection. <clears throat> but sometimes I think for whatever reason we're held back from praising that, that, um, that um, unashamed uh, way. So think back to those times, and there's something about that when you see something that's different from you, it can be kind of appealing to, to see the level of connection that other people have when they're worshiping God. So um, we'll talk more about that in a second, but think about that as we move on to this word Shabbat. So Shabbat, as we've mentioned a few times in class already, if it could be summarized into a picture, this is kind of what Shabbat would be uh, portrayed as, as being a loud proclamation of praise. So Shabbat is the Hebrew word that encourages us to praise God with a loud voice. Praise God with a loud voice. 
It also means to address in a loud tone, that is specifically loud, figuratively to pacify as if by words. So we're, we're praising to appease uh, God. Now, does God need our praise? No, he doesn't. And we'll probably go into that in some of the later lessons um, in this series. But that's why we Shabbat, we're commanded to Shabbat, to praise him loudly. And there's a few things I think we can take from this word. Number one is our praise should be loud, okay? And, you know, we read about in the Bible, Ecclesiastes talks about there being a time for everything. You know, there's a time and season for everything, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Um, but there, and there is a time, I think, for quiet, reverent worship and contemplation. But I think there's also, based on what I read in Scripture, a time for loud, exuberant praise. And so that's what we can learn from this word Shabbat. It reminds us that our God is worthy of singing and shouting for our loudest praise for what he has done for us. So that's one lesson we can learn from Shabbat. Another lesson I think we can learn from this word about praise is that it is a form of memory. So, you know, back in the ancient times, before people could write and had paper and books and scrolls, they would pass along memory through oral tradition, through oral uh, singing of songs and through, um, you know, poems and stories. And I think Shabbat is kind of like that. Shabbat flows naturally from remembering what God has done. And even in the Bible, in Psalm 63, verse 3, it says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. And in Psalm 145, verse 4, it says, One generation shall commend, or Shabbat, your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. So that's kind of a way that, you know, you think about with your children even, how you pass along memory to them. You know, when you start at an early age, we teach our kids um, Bible school songs that tell about stories from the Bible, and it helps them understand and process these stories in a way that they can remember them. And so, Shabbat is, uh, one aspect of the word Shabbat is to pass along memory. Another thing I think we can learn about Shabbat is that it is meant to be joyful. Praise is meant to be joyful. And you know, it kind of goes without saying, what do we have to be joyful about? Well, God brings us true joy in the midst of a mundane existence, right? Think about Ephesians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. If you think about some of the darkest times in your life where um, things have turned around just uh, at the drop of a hat or um, you know your circumstances change completely just in a moment, that's kind of what's happening in the scripture here. It's, it says we were dead. We were dead. We were separated from God. And in an, in an instant, in a moment, he has restored us and made us alive, and not just made us alive, but He's put, him, put us seated with Him. So it's like going from living on the streets as like a homeless person in an alleyway 
to you know, dining and living with the king you know, uh, of a country or of a kingdom. So that's, that's the drastic change that um, goes on, and we should be joyful of that. So um, those are a few things about these two words, and what I would be curious to hear is just a few discussion questions that I want to get you guys' feedback on. So first of all, how has your attitude toward worship changed over your lifetime? Think about that. How has your attitude toward worshiping or praising God changed over your lifetime? And I'll tell you just from my experience, I, you know, I grew up in a very conservative Church of Christ in a small town in, in West Tennessee, and uh, as many of you may have, and sometimes when um, in churches, churches of Christ, the idea of showing emotion during a worship service was maybe frowned upon or can be frowned upon in some circles. Um, but I think based on some of the things that I read that it's worth considering when we see these phrases like halal and shabak used in the scriptures that maybe maybe we could use a little more emotion and enthusiasm in the ways that we worship. And I think that's how my perspective has changed over time. Um, I'd be curious to hear if anybody else wants to offer something about how your thoughts about worship have changed as far as your attitude. Not Maybe not the practices of how you worship, because um, we'll talk about that later on, but just kind of your, your views of worship have changed. I did want to say this, and I probably should have done an intro to say this. Is this series is not intended as some sort of like uh, critique at Highland and how we worship or some conversation on acapella versus instrumental. And so if, if you're on the defensive because that's how you feel, that's, that's not what this is. Um, and obviously in this room we have different opinions on that. And you know, um, for, for me, I, I saw that you know, the Chris Tomlin concert came to Memphis and this was presented. And if, if you take these seven words as sort of like a, like a litmus test, I'm like failing on almost all of them, you know, so I, I'm not like a really outward emotional worshiper. And certainly we've all had those experiences, you know, when we grew up in youth group and we were at like Winterfest or Impact or whatever. And like that style of even acapella worship is night and day to then you come back that Sunday after and you're like, everyone like still wants to worship that way. And they find out quickly that they can't, you know, that there's that sort of thing. So um, for me, this is certainly meant to convict us that maybe we've seen things differently, but there's also a lot of conversation that we're going to miss in terms of, you know, this is in the Old Testament. How does it apply to us? I mean, there, there's there's a deep, deep conversation that I hope David gets at. I'll try and get at some of that, too. But the first thing I'd say is it's not meant to make you feel defensive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not just Church of Christ. You know, there's, you know, certainly high churches that don't shout and aren't, like, outwardly emotional. Right. And there's people rolling around on the floor this Sunday morning. You know, so there's, there's a whole wide spectrum of how we worship. I guess for me, I would say that how things have changed for me or how my view of worship has changed is I grew up in a family that, that didn't sing very loudly, like they're not you know, musically gifted, you could say. Mm -hmm. And so I actually used to sing and wouldn't even produce a sound from my lips because I thought I would be singing badly or poorly. Mm -hmm. And then so, I mean, like literally there was a point where I decided I'm going to sing like audibly, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Um, and then all the way down to now where, you know, I really enjoy doing worship services and and. All, all my life playing drums, I've never felt as emotionally moved or as emotionally connection, connected to God on a personal level as I do when I worship in that way. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I love all sorts of words. You know, so it, it's mm-hmm. for me, it's been a very stark change in attitude and, and the way that I worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't feel comfortable raising my hands, which is Grecian's week. You know, so I mean, there's some some things that I still need to work through. Yes, absolutely. <coughs> I think that when I when you're younger, just because you haven't had life experiences, because life hasn't happened, I think lyrically some of the message is lost on you. It's just mm-hmm. not a song. Mm-hmm. I think that as life happens, and, and you know, the, you see all the different ways that brokenness plays out in your friends' lives and in your lives and in the world. I think the lyric, the the message of the lyrics goes deeper. Uh, and so I think that it's more uh, complex and it kind of makes you think more and you have a greater appreciation for the message that are in some of the songs back when you were in high school you just kind of sang because it was, that's just the, you know, we're going to sing all four stanzas of Just As I Am. I mean, it just, you know, that's just what you did. Uh, but I think life gives you an appreciation for the message. Absolutely. Thank you. I yeah. I to say about this subject, um, but reserve that for the rest of the series. Um, but like my attitude, small church Christ in the Northeast, which is even more conservative than anything down here. And it was very, I mean, people would verbally criticize you if you did anything out of the ordinary. Like mm-hmm. if you dropped something on the bench that sounded like it could have been your hands clapping, you would be reprimanded after mm-hmm. service. Like it was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And so kind of evolving over the years, and I've sung on praise team for, before I married him, so 15 years maybe, but I've learned more about worship in the past two years here from Grecian mm-hmm. than I did in 15 years previously, because mm-hmm. previously it was just, you, you know, you sing into a microphone, and then people join in on your part, and that's what praise team was, it's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. the not musical instrument of the Church of Christ, but here, like, I've actually learned what worship looks like a little bit more and that's mm-hmm. been wonderful like life changing mm-hmm. and it is hard like it's hard and I'm an emotional sort of physical like study dance you think I get up there and be all sorts of movie but it's been trained in me that you keep your hands down here don't move them don't move them don't move your hips because that might be dancing mm-hmm. and I mean it's, it's very it gets in your head and so just kind of letting that go and not caring what other people think or what mm-hmm. they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Which is really difficult when you're on stage because people really are looking at you. Right. And then there's that whole aspect of like transparency in worship. Like I'm bearing my soul in front of a bunch of people I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like please appreciate this because this is hard work. Anyway, I love this. Right. Time. This is I'm a great... And you hit on something I would love to hear more about too. So when we talk about this idea of uh, enthusiastic, uninhibited worship. What are some of the barriers that hold us back from praising like this? From being more expressive or, you know, what are the things that enter your mind when you feel the Spirit pushing you to, to do something or worship in a certain way, but something else inside you kind of stamps that out? What are some of the things that hold us back? Mm-hmm. I'm such good friends with him and 
what you're saying. So um, kind of inspired is the right word, but I mean that's true. Um, by the way, he worships, and but it was a distraction. Mm -hmm. It's like this guy's crazy, you know? and he is, um, but not, <laughs> not in a bad way, you know. Right. Um, but I think it's just the cultural norms that we've grown up in, and so yeah, this is this is kind of weird. Or whatever. Yeah, this is, I think it's human nature for us to want to do what everyone else is doing and to kind of fall in line, not stand out. And um, I, think that's, I think that's totally, you know, I've been there completely. I think fear of rejection is another one. Uh, maybe, um, you know, you're afraid that if you worship in a certain way, then someone is going to judge you or look down on you when um, you're, you, f you know that your heart is in the right place and that you're truly, genuinely, sincerely uh, in tune with God or connected with God. Um, I think that's another one. Is anybody else? Peter, I think uh, ignorance is uh, one of the things as well. I, I could, uh, you know, I, when I first became an elder, I remember sitting in one of the first meetings and this was back at uh, the old location and we had what was derisively referred to by some as the half-court service, you know, in the, uh, in the gym. And, uh, and there were some enthusiastic worshipers in there that actually raised their hands and mm -hmm. actually sitting in an elders meeting soon after, and a dear elder who's uh, very conservative wanted to talk about that. I mean, it was, I mean, it was vehement about mm -hmm. that. that shouldn't be done. And I think, um, and, and I've heard, and you've probably heard, you know, the clapping thing is, is something that uh, I've, I've heard of one church youth group going to another church uh, at, at some kind of thing, and, and the elders got up, and this one, this youth group clapped, and, and they stopped everything, this isn't going to be done here, this mm -hmm. type of thing. So I think there's an ignorance of, of mm -hmm. what happens now. The nice thing is that we went from that years ago to hiring creation specifically because I mean I remember the conversations it's it's he's weird and we love it and there's someone that uh, really I mean you've got no doubt the creation's up there mm -hmm. uh, worshiping and praising and it's coming not from his lips but you know from, from deep inside and, right. and we want that mm -hmm. so it's uh, but I, I think it's I don't know what it is if, if people feel like maybe an outward show is irreverent, maybe. Mm -hmm. you know, I think maybe that's, that's an old tradition that's, come, that's following us. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, like Kyle said earlier, this, is, this lesson was not meant to criticize or make you feel specific, specifically like you have to raise your hands or you have to clap in worship. But it, I just wanted it to... It was very challenging to me. You know, you, I feel like there's sometimes a disconnect from what we read in the Scripture and how we worship in real life. And so maybe these are some things that we should be thinking about. And, um, you know, when those, those things creep into our minds, when, uh, you know, you're worshiping God and you feel moved by the Spirit to, you know, uh, worship in a certain way, then um, maybe, you know, think back to how the Bible uses these words, Shabbat, Halal. You're worshiping loud. You're worshiping without worrying about what someone else is thinking, but you're so in tune with what God um, is doing in you that, um, you know, 
makes you work. Yes. That brings me to this last one that just maybe something you can think about. I know we're running out of time, but um, when you do get to those places and on Sunday morning where you don't feel like you've been worshiping throughout the week, how do you mentally have to uh, change your focus so that you are worshiping enthusiastically, maybe when you don't totally feel like it? Um, I know that's a challenge for me. You know, we've all had those Sunday mornings where. You wake up and you're, you get to church and, you know, all the things that have led up to you getting there is, you know, we don't have the right ponytail holder and put your shoes on and why can't you get in the car faster and does this make me look fat and does this and that and, you know, we've had all these things up to this, mor- up to this moment. That's me asking Tara, not, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, th- we've all had those mornings where we get to church and we're like, I don't want to sing this song right now. Um, but, you know, I think, it's, I think it's very convicting for us to think about, you know, changing our mindset when we do hit those moments and uh, recognizing, okay, I'm really not feeling it right now, but maybe I need to change my attitude this morning because right now, um, you know, God has commanded me to worship Him, and I'm going to try to do that. And I'm not going to judge, uh, I'm not going to judge other people because I have to tell myself that constantly. Um, you know, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to worship. And um, so that, I think that's just something challenging. We can talk about that in, in a subsequent week. But I really appreciate you guys' um, thoughts and discussion this morning and look forward to David's lesson next week. So awesome. thanks. Thanks. I'm just going to do a quick prayer because I know people have to go get kids and all that. It was fantastic.